Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 27th of December 2021 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 366. Doesn't feel like a Monday. Sunday didn't feel like a Sunday. Saturday certainly didn't feel like a Saturday. Just all over the place at the minute. I don't like, uh, I don't really like it when Christmas falls at the weekend for a number of reasons, which I'll come to shortly. hope you're all healthy anyway. That's the moaning over and done with, I think. And doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. Hope your Christmas was decent. I think that's the best we can hope for right now. Got to just got rid of that. Trying a new granola from Tesco's at the moment. Found a bit of nut there in my tooth. Messed with my introduction. Got rid of that now. Yes, where was I? I think I was saying I hope your Christmas was decent and decent is the new brilliant in the COVID age. I don't think we can hope for more right now. Decent, we can work with uh, decent. It's going to be hard swallow there, first hard swallow. Let me give you a timestamp, 14.53 hours. Not feeling great. It's been a week of I don't even know how many LFTs. I've had to do my second PCR of the week this morning demoralizing really. I, I got away with it last week. I thought maybe I've got uh, the dreaded COVID again last week and it was negative as were the LFTs, but I, I just don't quite trust the LFTs. But uh, today, you know, from about yesterday evening, I started feeling the throat going. Then I've had a really bad night's sleep, the throat keeping me awake. I've got, uh, you'll hear them now, I've got some strep sorts. From the UAE, these ones got vitamin C. I've got my horse lozenges, which normally are these days feeding into my uh, addiction in the evenings. But I'm trying to see now if they actually help in doing what they're meant to do. And I've got some honey and lemon lockets. Uh, yeah, just feeling a bit rough. I'm thinking because I did an LFT last night. I did one this morning, both negative. I do swap the throat as well, as I've been saying lately. I'm feeling tired. You might hear that in the voice. But I just thought, well, I better do a PCR anyway. Another one went back to the same place. And uh, this time, the difference is I do genuinely feel unwell. Last week, it was, well, maybe I'm just under the weather. It could be anything. And I was fairly confident that I was uh, I was negative this time, less so. I'm inclined to think, if I had to guess, I'm inclined to think it might just be an old school sore throat. And uh, owing to a lack of sleep, I'm also really run down. And, you know, I, I made the switch from the, uh, let me just fold my mask in, having to wear a mask indoors. That's how grave the situation is right now. I'm hoping that the, um, yeah, I'm hoping it's just a sore throat. Uh, made the switch to the bed. I think you heard that the bed had come by Christmas Eve. There was, uh, I think the night before Christmas Eve, uh, the, the bed collapsed with me in it. So that wasn't a great way to, to wake up, gave me vertigo. I was 
almost upside down for a bit and uh, I don't do well with that uh, you know it's, it's, as I was saying now uh, on the Christmas Eve special it's like when you go to the dentist and they lower your chair down just uh, just too far back and you start to feel a bit dizzy that's that's what waking up felt like uh, last week the bed is more comfortable than the, than the sofa that's not saying much with a five uh, centimeter mattress but it's the fact that the tockage doesn't stay on you know it's really cold it's a it's a bigger room the front room it's really cold in here it's front facing what I do is I fold the duvets over because they're for double beds and I'm on a tiny camp bed effectively but the toggage of course isn't staying on there's too much toggage for the bed so I'm waking up with maybe when I've I'm trying to go for so I've got two 15 tog duvets so I should be sleeping under 30 togs which is not much for me, but I'm also wearing extra layers in bed now to counter that. But the toggage isn't staying on, so I'd say at the moment, of the 30 togs, I'm effectively sleeping with about seven or eight togs. The rest are on the floor. So I'm struggling. I'm really tired. I need to need to do a workout after this just to tick that box. If I don't run, I do a workout, except on Saturdays. That's my lazy day. Can't go for a run today. I'm I'm fine with that, really. I know that uh, I shouldn't be running when I'm feeling like this. And even if uh, the PCR comes back negative, and I hope it does, of course, uh, it may be that I can't run again tomorrow. But that's, you know, that wouldn't be a disaster because I'm getting used to running on back-to-back days or consecutive days, I think would have been a better way to say it. It's been nice having the company, and I think I'm going to feel it when my sister leaves, uh, you know, even though it's only been a, a week since they got ill, just over a week. I, I do think I'll, I'll miss her when she's gone. It just makes you realise how difficult it can be living alone. The problem is I, I almost feel like, given the situation right now with, with COVID, it would be easier to deal with this on my own. This is the second day in a week I've had to isolate. It's no fun for her. It means that there are times as today where she can't go and see my aunt and uncle. So it's messing up her trip. And uh, it's very hard to isolate in a flat if you're not a couple. You know, I've got the windows open. It's December. I'm having to wear masks. I'm having to wear, well, just the one mask. I'm having to wear my gloves. They're having to do likewise. I'm having to ventilate. It's just, um, just feels very, just feels, you know, this is, this is my sibling. It just feels very rude if you follow, you know, it's just so strange, this whole thing, you know, making sure that they, that everything I've touched is clean for them, you know, which is why I'm wearing the gloves. It's just, uh, yeah, it's difficult. And I just hope it's one more day of isolating. I hope I, you know, get my results tomorrow morning and I hope that that is it. That this is just a, you know, amounts to two days of her holiday where I've had to isolate. I don't have uh, a great deal of confidence in LFTs, as, uh, as I keep saying. I tweeted, I think, yesterday. It's like, or even this morning, it, you know, having an LFT is like buying a mobile phone from one of those phone shop market traders. You know, those guys who set up those cubicles, they squeeze into these uh, these impossibly small spaces. I just, I don't feel confident with the LFTs. I feel far more confident if they offered the throat swab as well. And I am swabbing the throat with the LFTs, but I'm not sure if I'm doing it. Correct. The whole situation is uh, just a bit of a, a nightmare right now. Not much fun for either of us. This morning she was on her way to the to the cemetery. I was on my way to the PCR test. That's the kind of Christmas social calendar we have. 
I'll swallow again there, 1,500 hours. As I say, it's not going to be a long show. Just, uh, I was actually going to leave this till tomorrow, hoping that I'd feel better. But, uh, you know, I'm just one of those guys, when I do something, I have to try and get it out on time. If you're not going to do it on time, there's no point doing it. Although I could have probably cut myself some slack today. But, uh, you know, my patron supporters don't need any excuse to leave me, to drop me. So uh, I can't risk uh, losing any more right now. Uh, What else am I talking about? I'm just looking at my notes here that I've scribbled, which, uh, as you can imagine, don't make uh, much much sense right now. At the PCR place, I found a place fairly local to uh, to me now, a lot nearer than the one I was using for most of the year. And a couple were having their entire family swapped this morning. Understandably, the the smaller kids were crying. The the guy who was organizing the queue, there was a a girl behind me. I I couldn't see what she looked like. I hadn't turned around, but when I finally did, she was wearing a mask. I was wearing a mask. But I think the guy overseeing everything there had seen enough from her eyes, her hands, her hair to think, "Ah, this is... I think this girl is attractive. I'm going to try and chat her up while she's here in the PCR queue. And so he did begin to to make some small talk with her, small talk that I never got. And, uh, you know, when I saw her, I thought, well, yes, okay, nice fingernails, nice hands, nice hair, probably late 20s, early 30s, judging by the hands, no, um, no solar lentines emerging yet. But uh, you still want to see the face, surely, before you start uh, talking to a potential boyfriend-girlfriend thing. This guy was, uh, I don't know, maybe this guy's in the, doing the PCR work, the, 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 the track and trace thing, whatever it's called. Maybe he's doing it for the wrong reasons. Either way, these are grim tableaus to, to be dealing with. They don't uh, do anything for your mood, and that's without even factoring in the wet South London morning post-Christmas peak. Just uh, not great. You know, obviously, extra bank holidays this year. I think there's two of them, isn't there? I think there's another one tomorrow because Christmas Day's on a Saturday and Boxing Day's on a Sunday. Just not my bag. You know how I feel about bank holidays. Let's have some winter ones. Yeah, but David, these are winter ones. That is true. You got me there. But back to back, Really? It just doesn't. It doesn't work for me. Uh, let me give you some Howard Hughes shoutouts. Easy Nova and uh, Toby. Thank you both for your support for the show, and I uh, hope you guys uh, both had uh, a good Christmas, a decent Christmas. I think we agree that decent is the new brilliant, etc., etc. But I hope uh, Easy Nova and Toby and their loved ones are, are safe, and that Christmas has been a, a decent one. For them at some housekeeping. Mickey The 48 inch chested one has been in touch, as you can well imagine. The man whose ego knows no bounds. He's been in touch to inform me that cab drivers don't need to wear seatbelts, so. We'll just let him pull over and, I don't know, we'll let him loosen something, whatever needs to be loosened. Uh, I've been watching with my system, not sure what we'll watch tonight, but because I have no communal aerial and because the substitute aerial doesn't pick up many stations, I'm stuck with watching the ITV hub. Can't remember the password for Netflix. 
Can't remember the password for my five, four on demand, none of that. So I'm left with ITV, the ITV hub. But luckily for me, I actually think that in recent years, their dramas have actually been better than the BBC's. And they're very, they don't look like they've got a lot of money spent on them, but the stories are better. You know, they're told in a better way. And I think as long as the content is good, it doesn't matter too much what it looks like. And uh, funnily enough, I've, we've watched a couple of Martin Clunes dramas, uh, Arthur and George which is from 2015. That was one of the uh, real-life criminal cases that Arthur Conan Doyle got involved in. I didn't know too much about this one. I've read there's a couple of others. I I knew less about this one, and I've forgotten how to pronounce the innocent party's name who, on whose behalf he he fought for. But it was it was decent. It was a decent cast. I think it was uh, it was three episodes, and now. Although I watched one episode of Manhunt last year, I started it back to front, started with a second series. So I'm having to resume the second series, but my sister watched the first episode and then I sat down and watched the second one with her last night. It's fairly decent. Martin Clunes, to be fair to him, is a a decent drama actor. I think uh, there's a lot of good work in this guy. Obviously, he helps if uh, your wife is producing these shows, but the nepotism aside... It's good work. And, uh, you know, ultimately that is the kind of thing that might bring me back to, to, to watching British TV, which I, I do tend to avoid these days. So a lack of sleep at the moment. Might try and get a nap later, but, uh, you know, it's, the problem is the sofa is so uncomfortable. Even if I just lie down on the sofa before going to bed, I will wake up with a really bad back. I won't sleep properly because you're not meant to lie down on a sofa. But it's such an uncomfortable sofa that even sitting up on the sofa, I find very difficult. I'm hoping that, you know, having a, a well, an extra rest day today on the running doesn't impact on me mentally. The, um, Christmas Eve run got a bit precarious because I forgot my high-vis vest. I hadn't charged the headlamp as well. I was just so disorganized. So I had to tweak the route. I was on the road for the entire first lap. And then I thought, well, I better stick, you know, stick to running in the park. But avoiding the darker areas in the park because I didn't have the headlamp. I ended up doing, I think, 6K. Normally when I'm doing the road runs, two laps would be, I think, close to seven Okay, hopefully I can get out there again tomorrow. Been reading this book that I got for Christmas from my sister, one of a a couple of books. I've actually got uh, two books coming today. One has been delivered already uh, this morning. That's in quarantine now. I've cleaned that up. It's a pastiche, Sherlock Holmes. I've been catching up on some uh, old Sherlock Holmes pastiches that I've had my eye on uh, for a while. This is The Immortals, the season my Milan team reinvented football by Arrigo Sacchi with Luigi Galando and uh, Arrigo Sacchi. I just mispronounced it there. Arrigo Sacchi. Uh, one of the great coaches, a man who changed football forever, I think. Uh, forget the Barcelona team. Well, don't forget them. They were a great team, the Guardiola team of 2008 to 2012. But I've always said the Milan team are the greatest club team of the last 40, 50 years. And they changed football forever, which Barcelona didn't necessarily do. And of course, with Barcelona, they were simply taken on board the football that was not only brought through by Johan Cruyff, but also, you know, um, Luis Aragon the Spanish coach I did that thing there that I hate when people who are bilingual actually will pronounce the foreign name in the with a foreign accent I don't like that but I, I just thought Luis Aragones was going to sound a bit strange if I said Luis Aragones maybe it didn't maybe I should have just gone with the uh, 
anglicized pronunciation. But anyway, look, I think Arrigo Sacchi was a genius, so much so that he was effectively burnt out after four years at Milan. And by the time he took the Italy job in 91, he wasn't the same guy. He was a, you know, he was an intense guy. What he was creating was new. And he just crashed and burnt, as did many of his players. You know, he had a very prickly relationship with that Dutch genius, Marco van Basten, who would always need convincing before he brought into his methods. And there were always stories that van Basten had demanded of Berlusconi the Milan president, Hard Swallow there, 1511, he demanded of uh, Berlusconi that he make a, a choice between Saki and uh, Van Basten because the training methods were so intense. Also involved training without a ball and without opposition. Really, really strange. But actually, that is far more common nowadays. But this guy was ahead of the curve, introduced a pressing game that the, well, the Dutch had pioneered it in the 70s, but he took it to a new level. You know, he had his centre-forward pressing. Interesting that he said that Rude Hullet was never a true number 10, that he couldn't work between the lines. That was the difference between Hullet and uh, and Johan Cruyff, the greatest of all Dutchmen. The interesting story for me so far has been that there was a player there, Colombo, who was known in Italy, uh, well, generally a dog's body, which in Italy, in football, they called them the domestiques. And he bought this guy, he was a journeyman player, brought him and thought that this guy, although he was a very limited footballer, he was an honest footballer and one who could provide a, an example to the rest of the team to help them buy into his methods. And it worked to a spectacular degree. The president wasn't too impressed because one of the reasons he bought Milan is because he had foreseen the future, which was live football on television every night of the week. And Milan were going to be at the heart of it. And he thought, well, who's going to want to watch this particular guy play? You know, he's just a domestique. But Saki stuck with Colombo. The interesting thing is, after three years, and there were other players who had the same issue, after three years, Colombo's impact, his performance levels started to dip spectacularly. And uh, Saki called him in and said, look, I've got to let you know that, you know, this has been noticed. It needs to change. Otherwise, I'm going to have to let you go. You know, Saki said, the most difficult part of being a manager, but the most important part of being a manager is you need to be ruthless. You need to know when you've got to cut players loose. And he gave this Colombo a few months to respond. And at one point he called him at home and the guy's butler answered. And he just thought, this guy's got a butler. He's he's absolutely big time. In fact, actually, I've got a part of the story wrong, which won't surprise you. The guy had actually gone to Saki. The player had gone to Arrigo Saki and said, I don't think I can give you any more. I think I, I don't have anything left to give this team. I need to go. And the president had become so convinced finally by this guy's effectiveness and his importance to the team that he was aghast at the prospect of selling him. And Saki said to Berlusconi, you've got to sell him. I mean, how many domestiques do you know who, when you call them at home, have their butler answer the phone? The inference being that the player had gone big time. His, his head was no longer in it. The success had changed him and they weren't going to get any more out of him. And sure enough, they did sell him. His last game for Milan was in the 1990 European Cup final against Benfica. Moved on to Bari, who were then a re-emerging team. They would sign David Platt a year later. But interestingly... He didn't make more than 40 appearances over the next two years, and that was him done at the top. I think there was a brief comeback around 94 in some foreign league, but that was him effectively done at the top. 
it's just a very interesting book. I've almost finished it. It's got some very good insights, and uh, I knew a lot about Saki. I know a bit more now. I just think he was a he was a genius. And by the time he took Italy to the '94 World Cup final, they somehow stumbled upon it. Uh, he was effectively done. I think he just uh, his race was run because he, he's just doing something different. And I think when you when you're a pioneer, when you when you're a trailblazer, I do think eventually it takes a toll on you. There's a famous game they talk about in Belgrade, which is a game where it, it's unique for two things. There was fog, and Saki didn't even know that one his team had conceded a goal, and two that they'd had a player sent off. He goes to the dressing room at halftime. One of his players who was playing is in a suit. He says. What's going on? Where, where, where do you think you're going? He said, well, I was sent off, boss, or mister, as they call them out there. Also, there's a colour clash. Milan are a team that played in red and black. Belgrade were red and white, and neither side wore an away kit in that game. You would have expected the owners to be on Milan. Their away kit was all white, so I don't know whether that played a part of them just thinking, well, look, we just have to wear our home kit. But it, it's a, an incredible colour clash. But also, there is a brutal elbow and headbutt of one of their players, Roberto Donadoni, who swallows his tongue, which was actually not that uncommon in that era of football. We had a few incidents like that in English football and the physio would run on and sometimes have to break a player's jaw to pull out their tongue from the back of their throat. And so uh, this guy almost died, Roberto Donadoni. He was taken to hospital. Milan got away. The, the game was actually abandoned the and and play the next day i can't remember if the elbow happened the previous day the day of the fog or the replay i think the replayed match a day later it was actually i think the replayed match a day later and rud hullet had to come on he wasn't fully fit and saki always said about hullet he wasn't as good as he thought he was but the important thing was that he thought he was so great it helped us and he was the heart of the team he was fearless he was a lion and hullet was just not intimidated out there. Him and Baresi, the inspirational skipper, they dragged Milan through to, I think it was the semi-finals then. Or no, it's the quarterfinals because they played a, a German team in the quarterfinals. This is the wrong show. This should be on when shorts were short. I'm just telling you what I'm reading, basically. And uh, in danger of actually losing my way now, losing my flow with this anecdote. Where was I going with this? I can't remember where I was going with this. Oh, now I remember. Now remember, this is the kind of thing, this is where I would go wrong doing stand-up. I'd, I'd forget, but I could never recover it, at least in podcasting, I, I can. So Belgrade was as difficult as it got for that Milan team in terms of intimidation, in terms of grueling conditions. And then when Italy played in the USA World Cup and somehow stumbled onto the final where they lost on penalties to Brazil, one of... Uh, Arrigo Sacchi's players, Alessandro Costa Curta, otherwise known as the suspension specialist, a man who in 1994 missed every major final he was involved in, which was every final because that Milan team were that good. And he also missed the World Cup final for Italy. They called him the suspension specialist. He was known as Billy because Milan had a basketball team and the sponsor's logo on their basketball shirts was Billy, whatever that was. But Costa Curta was so gangly back then, the players thought he belonged to the basketball team, so they called him Billy. Billy Costa Curta says to Saki out in USA 94 when they're struggling with that heat, because by now, uh, World Cup games outside of Europe, normally they used to be played late at night in the evening time in South American, North American countries. But now it was all about TV audiences, so they were playing the midday in that searing heat in the Americas. And uh, he said to Saki, apparently at that World Cup, uh, Mr. Every Game Here Is Like Belgrade. 
And Saki says the uh, it was a remark that wasn't lost on him because Belgrade was the toughest game he was ever involved in. That was I didn't plan on spending that long telling you about that book. It's an enjoyable book with football books. I always do finish them very quickly. Nectar points. I'm still. I gave you my nectar points on the Christmas Eve show. I bought some milk this morning before my PCR test. I I, I should add. And the uh, 95p in one of those Sainsbury's locals, no nectar points accrued. So whatever the nectar points were last week on episode 364, they're still they're still the same as uh, as I finish the year. Cafe, not much cafe action. I was in there on Christmas Eve with my sister. She she came and joined me. I'd had a couple of hours in there, which were mainly focusing on on the script. And you know, this is the thing, right? And I keep talking about this, but this is a real concern for me. For example, whether it's the the short film or you know doing some stand up, it all looks seasonal now. It it looks like at the moment for creators, this is the work is going to be seasonal because. Clearly, if this winter is anything to go by, it is not going to be possible to do these kind of things. I'm of the mind now that we just need to go on if we have our vaccines, if we have our boosters. There's not much more we can do. I do think big events need to be managed better. Um, the cafe for me, I, I feel that works. Well, you know, might be a convenient thing for me. That That's two things. It's It keeps me sane keeps me writing okay that's two things a third thing i actually think i'm contributing to the community i'm contributing to that local economy i'm helping to keep that place open it's important to me because its place in my life has just i mean it's just been at such a high level for the last 20 years and just seems to be getting more and more important and in this last seven or eight months since i started going out there started going back there rather as restrictions lifted it's carried me maybe more than it has done in a long time. And uh, I feel that I need to repay that in some way by going there. And I'm happy to go there. But of course, it's dangerous. But, you know, a big event, if we're not managing those properly, if we're not having masks, you're looking at football matches for a start. I don't know how we're going to get through this. But uh, it just means that in terms of creative projects, I feel a lot of them have to be parked at my end until the spring. It's it's really... uh, disappointing and I don't know being in there on Christmas Eve felt a little anticlimactic I, I I felt like I wanted a bit more I think I might have said this actually on the Christmas Eve show I think that rings a bell now but yeah I just expected more from it on, on Christmas Eve it was not having a pastry it was them being out of pastries I think that uh, that did it and as I left there was a low-key Merry Christmas I was just disappointed I think uh I just felt like I wanted a bit more from it. On the Star Wars football front, these headphones are killing my ears now. Really bad. The heating's on as well. I've got five tops on. I'm starting to suffer a bit here. Okay, Christmas Cup final, the Cloud City Derby. Did I hit that C too hard? I might have. Will I remember to edit it? Probably not. I'll say it again. The Cloud City Derby. Death Star versus Bespin, the oldest fixture in Star Wars football. It was the first ever Christmas Cup final between the two. Bez been their first final since 1984. Death Star, their first ever final. And it was Death Star who triumphed by a goal to nil from Anad Impey, the uh, young winger who'd scored their winner in the semi-final against X-Wing. Bez been were very disappointing. They played a fairly defensive 
formation and I think they paid a, a price for it. They were in action again on Boxing Day. When was Boxing Day? That was yesterday, yes, an early morning kickoff. And uh, X-Wing, remember, had uh, inflicted Besbin's first defeat of the season in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final, winning at Besbin by goal to nil, a goal eight seconds from time by IG88. But Besbin, after the scathing criticism in the Star Wars football press, they and, and knowing that they needed to score at least an away goal to negate X-Wing's away goal from the first leg, they came out with a very attacking lineup, partly necessary because Ben and Reyes are both cup-tied. They brought in youngsters Nian Nam, Greedo. They brought in new R2-D2. There are a couple of R2-D2s in Star Wars football. This is the uh, 1983 model with the lightsaber. And they raced into a 3-0 lead going into the uh, going towards half-time with Bosk grabbing a couple of goals. Another goal disallowed by VAR. Bosk has now got 18 this season, 66 in total in this, his fifth season in Styles Football. It's a phenomenal tally. It was, uh, he was going through a lean period. So, you know, with one goal, I think in five games, so he's back with a vengeance. X-Wing grabbed one back through Kylo Ren a minute before half time to make it uh, 3-2 on aggregate. And then in the second half, uh, Ray, another substitute. This is the thing. X-Wing had to bring on two subs before halftime. You know, very rare in any form of football. So a testament to Besbin that they forced the opposition into, you know, making that kind of move. Ray and TIE Fighter came on. Ray got uh, a second goal for X-Wing on 18 minutes. The final score was X-Wing 2, Besbin 3. Besbin went through to the League Cup final on away goals. There they'll face at Tatooine, or should it be Tatooine? I've worked through three pronunciations of uh, Tatooine now. Tatooine being the second one. For years until 2019, I used to say Tatooine. And then I've been seeing these trailers, I think on Sky, just before the football, showing some new Boba Fett thing, the Boba Fett book, whatever. Not interested anyway, but uh, someone on there on that trailer pronounces Tatooine, Tatooine. So I'm going to have to see if I can... Nail that if that becomes the new norm for Tatooine. Tatooine. I guess it makes sense. I need to, uh, yeah, I need to have a think about it. So just uh, the most successful team in Star Wars football history is also the team whose name I've never been able to say properly. Uh, there is some uh, new When Shorts Were Short Out. There's a Classic Kits episode out uh, tonight, tomorrow morning. I'm going to be setting up a, a Discord account for that where listeners of When Shorts Were Short will be able to join and, and respond to the latest shows and guests and incidents they might have talked about from their careers. So uh, do look uh, do look out for that even. Struggling here. Voice is going. So let me tell you now, and that is it. That is the end of this week's show. A year of 65 shows bowing out on a low-key horse note, unfortunately, but I hope you understand that even I find it hard to Focus when waiting on a PCR result. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. Keep washing those hands. Keep ventilating too. Kick 2021 into touch. And let's hope we can do all we need to do to make 2022 better. Let's mask up when we need to mask up and where we need to mask up. You know, let's let's keep washing and hand gelling our battered hands. Let's get our vaccines, because imagine if all of us decided at the start of this year that we weren't getting jabbed. 
imagine this hellish situation that we're in. Imagine how bad it would be if we all refused, if it wasn't just the anti-vaxxers, if it was everyone refusing. You know, where would we be with this thing? How do we come out of this thing? I don't think it's that big a deal getting vaccinated. I think of all the passive smoke in my lungs copped my entire life until 2007. One jab is not going to do the damage passive smoking has. That's how I see it. I've got enough issues without overcomplicating my life by making some stand that is going to affect others. You can't have community like that. And uh, I genuinely believe, and maybe you do too, or maybe you don't, I believe that when you have your jab, you're doing it for others as well as yourself. And that is how I've felt from the start with this. And I, I genuinely believe that. And I, I'm aware of those uh, people who would disagree with that. I mean, some of the guys I play football with, most notably who refuse to have the vaccine, they simply don't see that argument. They really, they just don't buy it. They, they can't get their head around that you're saying that you've got jabbed up as much for them as you have for yourself. So at the moment, I won't be able to play football until those guys sort themselves out. And, you know, I'll miss playing football, but uh, I'm just not risking hanging out with uh, guys who, you know, haven't even had their uh, first jab and their refusal to get jabbed is almost a, a call to arms for them. It's something they talk about with uh, great pride. I, th I think they're wrong. I think they're very intolerant. And for me, I'm just at the stage after almost two years of this where you just have to say, look, you're wrong. You are wrong. I've tried to respect you. I've tried to listen to you. I've given you more respect than you've given me respect because my personal experience of anti-vaxxers, the ones that I know, is that they are very intolerant. And I've tried to respect and tolerate their views when it's been clear from the beginning that they don't respect my views. I even had uh, one of the guys on the football WhatsApp group as well, mocking me for doing the LFTs and the PCR last week. There's just no respect from these guys for, for doing what you need to do to ensure that you're not a health risk for anybody. I just think now is the time to say, I think these these people are wrong. But anyway, look at me, a pound shop preaching Jurgen Klopp with natural teeth and 40 listeners, uh, you know, no, no one's going to listen. I'm just giving you my own personal opinion and uh, you'll have your own opinion too. I just hope that we can all find a way through this. I hope next Christmas is uh, PCR free for me and I hope that uh, tomorrow I have some uh, better news. Happy New Year. Keep safe. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson and this year I have been available.